Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host. We're here on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute, which is also the place where Silver Birch Ranch has camps all year round, weekends and summers. And we invite you to go to silverbirchranch.org, take a look at what's available there, or nicolaybibleinstitute.org, and find out more information about our main campus. We also have a place called Northwoods Retreat. If you're working on a smaller group, you want to do a little bit more of an intimate retreat, uh, we invite you to take a look at the Northwoods Retreat that we have right on the Wolf River here in Langley County in northern Wisconsin. I'm talking again with Jeremy Lundgren. He is the president of Nicolay Bible Institute, and we're not such a big college where the president doesn't teach. He does teach, and the reason he's here is because he's got a passion for teaching. Uh, uh, he loves the Lord, loves his family, and I think that most of teaching comes from example, and then our words just back up what we actually live like. So uh, camping in Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute, gives us a unique opportunity to do that. And you teach doctrine class. I do, yeah, Christian okay. Christian theology. Christian theology. Okay, I keep calling it doctrine, and the real name is? Yeah, the, the, the official name is Christian theology, but uh, doctrine is what we, what we cover. Okay, correct. now define it for everybody. If, if I'm a kid, I grew up in a church, I'm hearing the pastor every Sunday, I went to Sunday school, I went to youth work, I really know all this stuff already. I, I know everything that you're going to talk about, because isn't theology and doctrine saying there's a God, and I'm going, I'm bored, yeah, there is, right. and, and there's Jesus, yeah, I know, and you're a sinner, I know that, and, and Jesus died, for, I know that, and Satan's bad, I got it. Okay, so why does anyone want to listen to you talk about theology or doctrine? You know, I ask myself that same <laughs> question sometimes. <laughs> um, no, you know, what's, what's unique about a uh, Christian theology class like this is that what, what I try to do in one semester, obviously not with every detail, but is to just go over the totality, uh, you know, uh, uh, topic-wise of what we as Christians believe. And uh, so that, that's what we, what we work through. We, so we talk about the various doctrines of the faith, what we believe about God, what we believe about his creation, what we believe about salvation, various things like that. And how a class like this is going to differ from what you learned in Sunday school, what you learned at youth group, even what you were learning in uh, uh the Sunday services that from your from your pastor is just the the way we put all those pieces together. And so in a in a Bible study, you're taking one particular passage and you're seeking to draw out the meaning of the text, talking through how that applies to your lives. But but eventually, you know, you, you think about it in your own life, you want to start putting these pieces together where uh, you're reading in Exodus and you learn this about God. And then you're reading in Deuteronomy and in Isaiah and then in Romans and you learn these other things about God. And how do we put all those things together in a coherent way? Uh, you know, we, we believe in the unity of Scripture where it's one God speaking through his apostles and prophets. And if, if there's the unity of Scripture and if God... Uh, is the same if Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we can move forward with this discipline of theology where we start putting those things together and saying, um, how do we view God, right? You, you look at a specific passage of Scripture and you look at another passage of Scripture, but then eventually uh, or, or along the way, you're, we're just going to naturally start looking through Scripture to the God 
uh, who's, who's speaking through scripture. And that's one great way to think of the discipline of theology is, you know, you're, you're looking at scripture, you're looking in scripture, but then as you start to look through scripture to the God uh, who's behind it, the God who's speaking and start saying, what can we say about this God? What kind of a God is he? What can we say about the things that he's, he's doing in this world? And once you do that, you are in the discipline of theology. You know, as I've thought, taught theology classes in the past, one of the interesting things that happens is you'll have people that are very mature in their faith who have been Christians for a long time, and they'll tell me perhaps halfway through the class that the class has been very uh, disruptive to their faith. It's caused them to uh, have a lot of doubts come to the surface. And on the one hand, you know, there there might be people who teach theology with that as their goal, right, to uh, plant seeds of doubt to disrupt um, people's faith, and that's not my intention at all. Though I'm okay with it happening in the in the short run, because uh, one of the things that a class like this does is you're you're giving students an opportunity to say, uh, here's what here are the things that we believe about God. Here are the things that we believe about Christ. And oftentimes, uh, this is true for all of us as Christians, we might hold to this belief about God over here and this belief about God over here, and we've never taken the time to think about how those two claims that we would make about God relate to each other. And oftentimes we don't do that because there's, uh, there's either tension between those things that we would, we would believe, or, or, or there's, there are even contradictions where they don't quite match up. And so uh, kind of along the lines of being pilgrims, uh, having a pilgrim theology, a class like this helps you, helps, it helps bring to the surface those areas where you're, you, you hold this to be true and that to be true. And you've never figured out how do those two things fit together. And so uh, as we work through these various doctrines, uh, one of the things I try to do constantly is in the early part of the class, uh, maybe we're talking about the doctrine of revelation or we're talking about the attributes of God, things along the lines, things along those lines. And I'll start uh, trying to make comments or point forward to, uh, you know, here's an attribute of God. Here's what God is like. And that's going to affect what we think about Jesus and what he was doing on the cross, where that's going to affect how we understand what the church is or something along those lines. And then as you get into some of those later topics, we can go back and say, uh, you know, an easy one is, uh, you know, talking about the doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, There's one God who eternally exists as three persons. One of those persons is the Son. Well, what do we do with the person of Christ when we talk about, uh, you know, Jesus of Nazareth living among us? Uh, Well, we need to relate that to the doctrine of the Trinity, uh, how he is fully God and fully man, and then what he's doing, why why he came to this earth. And that's going to relate to the doctrine of creation, uh, right, that God self-exists. He doesn't need this world, uh, but he created it, you know, for his good pleasure according to his purposes and then his purposes in uh, redeeming, uh, redeeming this world from its sin are also going to tie into uh, who he who he eternally is. Uh, that uh, he has purposes from beginning to end uh, for this world. So, how important is my understanding of all this? I mean, uh, honestly, when you you talk about God, uh, let's just take one aspect of who God is. Sure, he's, he's eternal. He's eternal. I can't grasp that. Right. So if I'm if I'm in your class, I, you're asking me to understand something I can't understand, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out why I'm in a class where somebody's telling me things that are beyond my comprehension. How do you how do you deal with 
I mean, is it okay to struggle with the idea that I don't understand some of these things? I mean, how can God be everywhere at once? Yeah, the first thing I would say to a student is you can understand more than you currently do. And so if, if we're seeking to get a view of God, maybe it's like looking at the mountains off in the distance, and you can just look and you can have a very... Uh, a very simple, low-res view of those mountains. Uh, I used to live in Tucson, Arizona, so there's the Catalina Mountains. And what's great, I know we're in Wisconsin, so this illustration might not translate, but in, in, uh, in, in Tucson, the Catalina Mountains, what's great about them is just the texture and the depth and the layers of these mountains. So depending on the time of day, depending on the lighting, you can just look and you just see like a, a a two-dimensional silhouette of mountains uh, and then the sun rises or the clouds come or different things happen or the clouds go away and then you see new peaks you see new uh, canyons and valleys you see new new rock formations and depending on where you're at you just see these different things and so I think um, for so, so the challenge is you can know more about God you can you can comprehend more about him than you currently do so take time to gaze at him right take time to look at him in different light from different perspectives and and see new things about God, because um, certainly there's a barrier uh, to what we can know about God. Uh, but I think some people just say, I can't know God completely, so I'm just going to stop right here where I am. Um, but he's calling us to, to go further. He's calling us to <clears throat> to look more deeply and look longer at who he is. And uh, and then through that, the, the, the benefits that come uh, from that is that he's just more glorious to, to us. He's more praiseworthy. Yeah. You know, I think one of the, the crazy things is I kept, when I was younger, I think I kept putting God in the box of my understanding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, honestly, I don't understand myself half the time. Right. So then I'm trying to understand God through my understanding, which is so limited. And, and part of my real, I think, maturation as a believer was getting to the point where I could understand that I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. Then I began to understand. Exactly. And, and I think that's part of doctrine. You're, you, you are going to talk about things in doctrine that really are almost impossible for a human to comprehend. Right. I mean, how can God be everywhere? Or, or we were talking about God being eternal. And the point in thinking about God being eternal is, uh, you know, it helps us understand our lives uh, where, where one day can just kind of, the, the worries of today can grow in our mind, uh, but knowing that God is eternal, knowing that he sees the beginning from the end, it helps us to, you know, helps us make sense of these passages of scripture where God says, you know, my ways are not your ways, or when Jesus can say, uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Well, how can you not worry about tomorrow? So in thinking about God being eternal, uh, it has, it, it's the foundation for these, these very basic Christian claims that we make about not worrying, about trusting in God, about knowing that he is in control, uh, various things along those lines. And so we can just say, okay, he's, he's eternal. He has wisdom uh, that, that is beyond us, uh, though we can catch glimpses of that wisdom. We can catch glimpses of his ways. And, you know, one of the things we've been kind of building towards in, uh, you know, what is the content of theology class? Why study these doctrines? And, and on a, a, a deep level, uh, it's because we want to worship God. I don't know if you know, uh, so we talk about in theology whether a certain belief is orthodox or whether it's heretical. And so. Well, okay, I know heretical, but orthodox means. Yeah, so we're not. So little o, orthodox, uh, it, it's the opposite of heretical. Okay. And so. 
does this teaching typically the way, way we'll use it is 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 this doctrine is this teaching orthodox or is it heretical does it line up with what scripture teaches so it's orthodox or does it deviate from it and then that would be heresy or something that's heretical uh, but think about the word orthodox so you go to the orthodontist to get your teeth straight right. you go to the orthopedic surgeon to get your back straight or whatever that might be and so orthodoxy so uh Doxa is the Greek word for worship. And so orthodoxy is straight or true worship of God. And so that's the motivation in studying Christian doctrine is because we want to worship God in a way that is straight and true and right. Whereas heterodoxy or heresy, something on those lines, is any worship of God that is twisted or deviates from what is straight and true. And so Oftentimes when we, when we use that word orthodox in everyday speech, we're talking about whether a particular doctrine is in line with scripture or not. But, uh, you know, throughout the centuries in the church that the doctrine was always linked to worship. So the, the question you're asking in whether something is orthodox or not, the question you're really asking is, uh, through holding to this belief, am I worshiping God the way he ought to be worshiped? Uh, and in order to worship him, we want to, uh, as, as much as he's revealed himself to us, as much as we are able, we want to see him for who he truly is. And anything less than that, if God is perfect, uh, if we see him different from how he truly is, we never see him in a better way than who he actually is. It's always a lesser way. It's always a lower way. And so we want to, we want to have a higher view of God. And so, uh, that's kind of on a, on a, uh, a big level, the deeper level, like what's our motivation for theology? Because we just want to worship God for who he truly is. But then think about all that flows out from that in, in, in worshiping God rightly. Then we can order our lives around him rightly. Uh, we were talking about service earlier. And one of the ways, uh, you know, as you were talking about that, uh, a doctrine that I think relates to this idea of service is the doctrine of grace, justification by grace. Yeah. God has freely given us all things. He's freely given us at no cost to ourselves uh, justification, adoption into his family, eternal life, forgiveness of sins. Uh, Christ gave it to us, right? Come and drink from the these waters uh, freely at no cost. And so because he's given, and, and think about the way that Christ gave by becoming a servant, by ep- emptying himself. And so that's doctrine that Christ emptied himself. He became a servant. Uh, he gave us the gospel. He gives us all things without cost. The practical application of that is I already have everything that I need in Christ. Uh, I'm free now to give to my neighbor. I'm free to give to uh, the world around me and and serve them. And what a wonderful way to serve. Uh, You know, I I remember years ago, I was in a car with a a few guys I worked with and uh, we were pulling out of a a shopping center and there was someone who was uh, begging for money. And one of the guys, I was sitting next to him in one of the back seats and he said, stop the car, stop the car. And he wanted to give the guy uh, some money, but whoever was driving didn't hear him or the light turned green. So he just drove off. Uh, And this guy I was with, he was mad. Uh, He he made some comment about, man, that that I, I lost an opportunity to uh, to get a blessing or something like that. And and I, I kind of asked him what it meant and I thought about it. And his motivation for giving that person five or 10 bucks was uh, that, that it was a good deed for him, that, that God would somehow reward him or bless him mm. for doing that. Uh, 
but he didn't have the he didn't seem to care about the person uh, who was begging for money and and his needs and uh, you know th that's not how we want to serve others. Uh, we want to serve others where we say, I don't need to do this in order to earn a blessing from God. Uh, he's already freely given me all that I need, so I can now freely give to others. I can give. I can give of my weekends if I'm an MBI student. I can give of my evenings if I'm a parent. I can give of um, give of my late nights if I'm a pastor or whatever it might, that might be. I can give my uh, lunch hour up uh, to a coworker uh, at my job. Yeah, you know, I think as you were talking, I kept thinking there's such a perspective that that I have in life and that everyone has. Um, you know, I do things for me, mm -hmm. and that's my perspective. Where God, when you think about it, he doesn't do anything for him. He does it for us. And and, and it works out for him it does. that way. So it's yes. like his focus is, well, I was still sinful. I don't even want God at this point. I'm still sinful. He comes and dies for me. He does. And, and so when I look at that, I, I look at, and again, for me, the, I think one of the things I've always struggled with is perspective. I have it, mm -hmm. and God doesn't. And so it drives me nuts because the perspective, it, that word just can't work for God because he sees it the way it actually is. So from my understanding of perspective, I have it. Right. I see things. I feel things. I'm limited in my understanding. I was born in Chicago. I work in Wisconsin. I, I have a certain understanding in life that really clouds everything. I, there's no possible way that I can get out of my understanding of certain things and I when I talk to God I realize I'm talking to someone who doesn't have that he just knows everything the way it is so perspective doesn't work that way because he doesn't have one he's if you see everything the way it is then perspective is a word you don't use because it's everything is the way it is right right so these are the things that leave me in awe when when I start actually thinking about doctrine thinking about things that just are uh, one, it, just thinking about the fact that God has no perspective and there are times where I talk to him and say God you know I got a perspective I have no idea what I'm saying here but from my perspective you know right, and I give right. it to God from, and it's almost as if God must be going I understand your perspective I made you he does he does I was, I was going to make that point yeah. he 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 knows our frame he knows our yeah. weaknesses uh, obviously, with Christ being incarnated, um, you know he he's familiar with our our weaknesses and the temptations we face uh, in these bodies. And so, again, uh, in in studying theology, that it, it's God graciously revealing Himself to us. But He knows the kinds of creatures we are. He knows who He's revealing Himself to, and that we we do have perspective. That we uh, come to Him with. Uh, you know, whatever past we have, we come to him in whatever culture, uh, even the words, the language we use occasionally in my theology class, we'll mess around with some Greek words or Latin words or things like that. And just, just, you know, the, we use these words because they, they point us to concepts that, uh, that, that we want to use in, in thinking about God. And he understands the language that we use, the, the limitations on that. Uh, but what we're seeking to, to talk about him in, in a way that is, is right and true. Uh, you know, earlier talking about orthodoxy, uh, there, there's another saying uh, in the church. Uh, here's some Latin. So lex orandi, lex credendi. The law of prayer is the law of faith or the law of belief. And and this relates to orthodoxy of true worship of God, uh, where uh, you want to have good doctrine because you want to pray well. Uh, because 
the the way that we express ourselves to God, the way that we bring our requests to Him. Um, you know, not my you know the way Jesus prayed, not my will, but Your will be done. Uh, we want to have that same attitude. We have we want to have that same posture, uh, where the way that we pray, the way that we come to God, is uh, informed by our doctrines. Yeah, you know, I I find it fascinating that so often I'm locked into, and we as people are locked into our understanding. Mm-hmm. And that then you go to um, a guy like Moses in the Old Testament, and you realize God's telling him to do things like cross the Red Sea. And it's like, you know, God, I have no understanding of right. how you're going to do this. Right. And God doesn't really demand my understanding. And when I, when I understood that I didn't need to understand, I began to understand. Right. If that makes sense. It does. It does. And uh, and that comes from, I think, studying theology, doctrine. I, I think you, you need to allow God to be who he is. And and I'm not him. No. So I get to sit there and go, wow, that is something. That, that is way beyond my comprehension. I can't. It's funny. I, there's things about God I can't grab, but he understands all my temptations and he understands all. It, it, and so he totally gets me. And loves me, even though he totally gets me. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 a humbling thing to study God, and uh, you know, in, in the discipline of theology, there are temptations to uh, basically forget that you are studying a living God, uh, a, a God who um, is is beyond us, a God who is just free. He didn't have to create this world. Uh, he didn't have to redeem this world when it was fallen into sin. Uh, so in, in that sense, you know, oftentimes we'll talk about the freedom of God uh, to work in the ways that he wants to that are mysterious, that are beyond us in ways that we don't understand. Uh, but the other side of that is that he's a he's a covenant God. He's a God right. who uh, makes promises, who enters into these covenant relationships with his people uh, and that he'll be faithful. He, he has not broken any of his promises and he's not going to. We can uh, rely on him and we won't be put to shame. We can we can look to him and he will be faithful and trustworthy. And one of the things you, you learn as you, you know, read, uh, you know, study the Old Testament, learn about the, the people of Israel, is the ways that God was always faithful, but he did it in ways that they didn't expect. Right. Uh, they should have expected him to be faithful, uh, but there wasn't a simple formula that he followed. There wasn't a, a transactional nature to the relationship with God, right? That's, that's superstition. That's paganism. That's, that's false worship of false gods where you think, uh, you know, I, I input this and the God is going to output that. Right. Automatically. Now he, he, right. He, we don't have that leverage over him. We come to him as his children. Um, you and I are fathers. We know that when our, when our kids are trying to work us, when they're trying to manipulate yep. us to get something from it. And sometimes we might condescend to a, to a child's level. We might kind of play that game. But what, what we want is something on a deeper level. We want that relationship where, where they, they trust us, uh, where they come to us and know that, that we're going to, as their fathers, uh, do, do what we've said uh, we're going to do. And, and we can look to God in that same way where he is our, he is our heavenly father. Uh, he cares for us. Uh, but he's going to, 
he's always drawing us to himself. Sometimes we, we take the works of God or the blessings of God and we, we make that the ultimate thing. We want this from God. Uh, and, and whenever we do that, right, we're, 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 we've taken our eyes off of him. We're no longer seeking him. We're seeking something, something else, maybe a blessing that he's promised to give us. And he just, he just has his ways of uh, keeping us humble. He has his ways yeah. uh, of letting us know that he is, uh, he's accomplishing his, his purposes in his own ways uh, and, and just learning to submit submit to him through that yeah no i I think some people have a misconception too of of theology or doctrine classes where they they think well i'm not going to be a pastor i'm going to be a welder so what's the practical side of this i mean the the practical side somebody just you know i don't need all that information about god yeah what would you say if i came to you as a high school senior saying that's nice i've gone to church all my life i'm i really know the basics I'm going to be a, a, a surfer, you know, I mean, I'm going to go out to Hawaii and be a surfer. Why, why do I need theology? What, what, how's this going to benefit anybody? Right. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm amazed in this world at the, just the seemingly constant supply of energy uh, that Satan seems to have in propagating false doctrines. And then there are people who, for for whatever motivations they might have, not service of others, but, you know, those that are greedy for selfish gain. Uh, they were there in the early church and they're with us today. So that's one of the big, big things. I, I realize that's a negative, uh, but we want good doctrine because there are people out there uh, propagating false doctrines and uh, false doctrines that can damage you. So if you are suffering or if you've had, you know, you've been exposed to evil in some way, there are people that will give you... Um, give you answers that are maybe immediately satisfying or, or uh, give you give you hope that that is ultimately false and how to make sense of those things or how to set things right but the other end of that as I'm sure you've seen Dave in, in your uh, years of ministry is the disappointment and the anger and the frustration that comes from that and so just, just basically that's a long way of saying because there is bad doctrine out there and those that are propagating it are are just constantly uh, putting out putting forth their energy to spread uh, spread that teaching to to say these things we want to constantly be working to uh, keep that foundation secure so that's 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 one one reason to study theology is just so you're not led astray uh, so you're not suffering just the, the disappointment that can come from that the hurt from that the frustration things along those lines uh, we want to study study uh, doctrine, as as I said, because we want to worship God rightly, right. uh, we want to have have discernment in, in how we think about our life. And if you are blessed enough to, uh, you know, somehow make a living surfing in Hawaii, um, surfing in Hawaii is is uh, it, it can be fun for a while. Um, but in thinking, why are you there? What what are my purposes? What what am I doing out here? Uh, to be able to um, uh, think about God, think about the, the days that He's given you on this earth. We want to have that have that foundation. Uh, we, we don't want to be led astray because we, we we want to be yeah seeking God uh, this this summer with the uh, the summer staff. Uh, I'll occasionally speak at the summer staff chapels, and I've been working through the book of Second Peter, and Second Peter starts out uh, with this wonderful passage uh, of a blessing from Peter to the church where he says, 
May you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you add to your faith uh, all these things, love and, and knowledge and um, endurance and all these things. But then for most of the rest of the book, it's a short book, but Peter talks about false teachers and uh, you know, in, in talking to the young people about that. Why is he so hard on these false teachers? And it's because uh, he's, Peter's a shepherd seeking to protect Christ's right. sheep uh, from those things that can just, just drag you astray. Absolutely. Well, I am talking with Jeremy Lundgren. He's the president of Nicolay Bible Institute. I invite you to investigate for your young person or if you're a young person listening, the Nicolay Bible Institute at NicolayBibleInstitute.org. That's NicolayBibleInstitute.org. And you can find out some more information. It's on the campus of Silver Birch Ranch, or they're the same campus. And um, so you can come and visit if you'd like. We'd love to give you a tour and tell you about how you can participate with us. We'd love the, the chance to teach you theology. Again, go to the website to check us out and uh, or come as a, a weekend retreater or come and serve with your youth group and a dish crew or something like that. We look forward to serving you in the future. Goodbye for now.